Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Hello, friends. I'm still Scott. And I'm still Maddie. And welcome back to the Harder Way Podcast. So today we're taking a little break from our series. And we wanted to talk a little bit about the series that we've been in and how things are going to look a little bit different for a while. So as those of you who have been listening for a little bit, you are aware that we've been in a series where we've been going through the Bible, not chronologically, uh, but going through and looking at different accounts and different figures in scripture and examining how they did or didn't live the harder way and what kind of contemporary harder way principles we can take away from their stories. And this is a really important series and it's something that we're still really passionate about. We're still going to be going through this series, but we've actually decided to no longer have that as an every single week series. Yeah, we're going to just space it out a little bit and uh, so, so that we have the um, ability to adjust and to respond contemporaneously to current events, to important questions, to theological issues that are in the that are kind of on the front of everybody's mind at the moment, um, or to things that we're experiencing right now in our personal lives that we think might really be edifying to our uh, Hardaway family. Yes. So that's, that's why we're doing it. We're not abandoning the series. You're still, you're still going to be getting those really great episodes on, uh, the harder way as seen through, uh, people in scripture, but we do want to be able to throw in some different types of content as well, because oftentimes people will ask us questions or they'll bring issues to us. You know, especially those of you who listen to this podcast will, have conversations with some of you and you'll say, oh, you know, it'd be cool if you guys talked about this or, you know, we want to be able to be faithful in that and be good stewards of the listenership that we have and and the people that we value that are listening. But there are millions of probably literally millions of podcasts out there and we don't want to be just white noise. And so our distinctive will continue to be looking at all of these uh, things through the lens of the wisdom we've gleaned through the persecuted church. So as in our introduction, we tell you that we're, you know, we're, this is their voice. This is their experiences. Well, we want to look at these things through the the lens of what we've learned uh, from them and through the lens of scripture. So you'll hear that influence a lot. Uh, For example, uh, let's, I'd like to talk today a little bit about uh, thanking the Lord in every circumstance. Okay. I'll bless the Lord at all times, and his praise will continually be in my mouth. You know, I have a, a mission coming up pretty soon. We won't say exactly when. Or where. Or where. But I'm taking Bibles into a persecuted nation. We'll tell you afterwards uh, which nation. And uh, uh, I have a wound on the bottom of my foot. 
Yeah. And Something that's been plaguing you for a while that you thought you were over. Yeah, I have a really old injury from when I was young, and it, it's damaged the way I walk. And I have a part of my foot that I've had problems with a, a, a wound opening. So, I, so I'm talking about going to a tropical environment where there's really no medical care. Despite what people tell you about uh, a lot of these persecuted countries that are communist, I, I can give you that. They, they really don't have great medical care for the common person, especially not for tourists, unless you got a lot of money, which I ain't got. Um, and, I, you know, I... Uh, uh, I want to go with the with the foot at least closed when I leave. So right, right. <laughs> so, um, at first, I was I was really kind of feeling a little bit panicked because mm-hmm. I know how long this normally takes for this when this injury emerges. It can take sometimes up to six months to fully heal, and I'm a couple months out from a mission when this first thing opened up, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And plane tickets are bought, and you know, and or and arrangements have been made, and it's uh, it's uh, scary, it's frightening because you know you, you don't realize when you're away from America just how quickly you can go from a little infection to being septic to being dead. Yeah, and it's funny to think that that's how people lived for thousands of years, and it's only been recently and only in developed countries that we're blessed to have access to, you know, medical care and things like that, where you can not die from getting an infected tooth or, you know what I mean? Like people don't, people don't talk about that, but in other countries, you know, they have people that, you know, you get a cavity and the infection goes up to your brain and it kills you. Right. We, yeah, we don't think about that here. So I have to ask myself, I have to pray because I need the Lord to guide me in this. Where's the fear? And I also have to discuss it with others. Where's the fear in this? Where, and then, because if I know where the fear is, then I can figure out where the faith is. Um, uh, because, you know, am I really afraid of dying? Not really. Um, I'm, I'm afraid of the pain of dying, but I'm not afraid of being dead. But um, am I afraid of letting the team down? Am I afraid of letting supporters down? Am I afraid of... My testimony being damaged, am I afraid of disappointing God? You know, where's the fear? Hmm. And then I can figure out where's the faith. How to conquer those fears through faith. By confronting it, right. So I have to figure that out and pray about that. And it's different for different people in different situations because God's growing us differently. But one of the things that was really impressed upon my heart in this last couple of weeks was the need to thank the Lord for the circumstance. Hmm. So much of our prayer is about... Uh, deliver me from my circumstance. But what we forget that the Lord wants to be with us in our circumstance. And he yes. wants to grow us. Scripture tells us to endure hardship as discipline. Well, the discipline that it tells us in Hebrews that the Lord's talking about, he's not talking about endure hardship as your heavenly father coming down and spanking you with a switch. It's he's talking about um, a, the discipline that a loving father gives their child. Um, for you know, um, can you think of some examples of that kind of discipline or an example of that? In my life, or <laughs> if not, I've got one that's coming to mind. I well, the problem is I was so well behaved, I never got punished. So I, you know, I. Oh. Can't really think. Can't really think of any ways I was disciplined. 
It's delusional. <laughs> that's the word that comes to mind. Delusional. Well, if you want to know a funny story that's not really relevant to what we're talking about at all, but that our listeners will enjoy, um, I was in fact so difficult to punish that my dad couldn't think of anything to do that would get me to stop doing what I was doing. And so he just started trying all of these crazy things. And one day he started having the punishments rhyme with whatever the bad thing I did was. And that drove me so crazy that it served as a really effective punishment. It just made me just so mad. It made me so upset that just having the punishment rhyme that that was it, you know, not, not a timeout, whatever it was having the punishment rhyme. Yeah. So not a really irrelevant metaphor. Um, but, but, but a funny story nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> it worked after many years of trial and error, finally figured something out, but you know, the Lord's works that way with us. And so he's, he knows what works, but a lot of times we look at a situation or a circumstance and we get very angry about it. Where are you, God? Why are you punishing me? Why? Are you, what did I do wrong to deserve this? And I think what he wants from us is for us to say, Lord, I thank you hmm. for this wound on the bottom of my foot because I know that through this experience, I am, I am, you are growing me and you are disciplining me, disciplining me because your word promises me that. Yes. And it's even, but it's even more than that. Because he's also teaching me to be dependent upon his providence. Right? And that's one of the characteristics we see in the persecuted church is... Consistent reliance upon God's providence and an understanding of his sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Right? Because in the persecuted church, they've gotten to that point where they can't rely on themselves. They can't... They really don't have anyone they can rely on. They have their Christian community that's there for them. But... What is really keeping them going is that understanding that despite very negative circumstances, God is working all things together for the good of those who love him, right? So they can see, even if they don't understand the bigger picture, they're constantly living with the awareness that there is a bigger picture and that God is acutely aware of everything that's going on and is working the tiniest details up to the biggest grand scale, working all of that together right, for our good and his glory. Right. So two things there. One, we, we can get ahead of the persecuted church because, and this is what they've told us, which is, yeah, we trust in the providence of God, but we observe that it's because they have no other choice, right? So to give you an example how extreme that can be, I gave a lady a toothbrush one time because I had some extra room in my suitcase and I threw a few toothbrushes and things in in between my Bibles. And I handed her the toothbrush and she danced before the Lord because she'd been praying for six months for a toothbrush. That's Uh, how reliant That's how reliant upon the Lord she was. And she knew where it didn't come from old Scotty. It came from the Lord and she knew that. Yeah. Right? Because it was he's the one that gave me the, you know, the thought to put it in my suitcase in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the first thing. But what they would tell us is this. Okay, we rely on the Lord and we have the great blessings that come with trusting and the spiritual maturity that comes with trusting in the providence of God. We have that uh, now. But um, when persecution came, we weren't ready. And so yes. there was a lot of suffering and stumbling that came. 
And they would tell us, learn to depend on the providence of God while you don't have to, so that if or when the time comes when you have to, you'll be ready. That's a really good point because, you know, we've spoken to people from who've, you know, endured persecution from all around the world. So not just in particular countries. And they've pretty much all said, we weren't ready for it. We weren't expecting it. You know, there may have been a small group of people in whichever given country that were aware Mm -hmm. of those things, but in general, they weren't. And so I think we're in a really interesting position right now because obviously we don't know how things are going to go in our society, in our country, in our world. Um, But we do know that as Christians, whether it's on a personal scale or on a national or grand scale, that we are promised persecution if we are seeking to live godly lives. Paul says that. Yeah, Paul Paul says that. Jesus says that too in in Matthew chapter 5. Yep. Huh, so it would seem that Paul and Jesus are in agreement. Yep. (laughs) How about that? Um, So... We all know that if we're seeking to live a godly life, we can expect persecution because we've been promised it. And so regardless of how things end up in our country or wherever you're at, we should all be seeking to understand and live out just the, I guess I would say we should all be seeking to understand God's providence and live in that understanding right? because it's going to be impactful and applicable no matter what. And it's going to completely kind of flip your worldview on its head and it's only going to grow you and help you. Right. And, and can now the, the second thing that uh, in response to what was said earlier, the second thing that we, that, that thanking the Lord for your circumstance and, and I mean, don't not in a perfunctory way. I'm, I'll come back to that in a minute. But the second thing, thanking the Lord for your circumstance, whether it's this wound on your foot, maybe you're in prison, you know, and, you, and maybe you made a bunch of mistakes and you're in prison because you deserve to be there. Maybe you're, you know, um, I don't know, you can think of whatever your negative circumstance is, but no matter how bad or ridiculous it is, uh, and let's say you're guilty of sin of, of, of causing... Uh, whatever circumstances it is, as a Christian, thanking the Lord. Because we have to recognize the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. He ordains the times, the seasons, and the places where we're born. He's the one, regardless of your um, your doctrines of salvation, um, and so we won't get into Calvinism or Arminianism or any of that, but, he, but it's God that initiates salvation. Right. Yeah, no matter where you fall on that Calvinist Arminian and Arminian spectrum, uh that is the belief on either side, God, right? And God the biblical <laughs> belief. Right. So this God started this relationship. He made the, he made the first move. On what basis he made the first move? That's in your soteriology. At what point he made the first move? That's in your soteriology. Did he do it for everybody or just for some people? That's in your soteriology. Soteriology is the doctrine of salvation. I was just about to say that. But regardless, I was like, he's using that word, and I don't know if everyone's going to know what that means. Yeah, but uh, but but no matter how you slice it, God made the first move, and so we are to we should be so grateful just for that, and we recognize if he. If he made the first move, 
uh, and he's and he's we, you know, we say that the you know the man makes his plans with the Lord's Lord ordains his, his steps. steps right or directs his steps. If God's doing that, then we can know that we can thank God for our circumstance. We can thank God for our situation. We can thank God for our suffering, and we can do it in earnest. Right. That's yeah. I think that's an important distinction because it's really easy to just be like, "Thanks God." For this terrible situation, you know, or to just say the words, you know, you're thinking, okay, thank you, God, that my car broke down. Thank you, God, that I'm sick. Thank you, God, that I'm having problems in my relationship. But you don't really mean it. And you're almost just thanking God because you're hoping that God will bless that attitude. Which that's when you get into a little something we call witchcraft, trying to manipulate God through your prayers. Uh, yes. Oh, yes, for others. For other people. That's problematic, you guys. Not biblical. But how would you say that we get to a point, though, where we can thank God earnestly and not just haphazardly or, you know, casually for something difficult that we're going through? How do we get it to be more than just words? Well, I'll tell you. First of all, it's in, in an act It's an act of the will. Okay. It's not the way you think. Okay. Okay. So an act of the will, you could force yourself to thank God as you're laying there, you know, in a, some horrible state and you're dying or, something, or your child's dying. You could say, I force my, you could force yourself to thank God. That's an act of the will, but that's a foolish act of the will. But what you can do is you can say is an act of the will. I choose to believe that God is who he says he is. I choose to believe that his word is true. And I choose to thank the Lord. And now, Lord, you know that my feelings are not aligning with that. That I don't really deep down don't feel like thanking you. Because I'm pretty miserable in this situation. Yeah. Lord, please give me the grace to say thank you and to mean it. And I can promise you God always answers those kinds of prayers. You might have to pray it a few times. You might have to practice it for a while. But if you do that kind of an act of the will where you're like, I choose you, God. I choose you, God. I choose to thank you, Lord. I choose to thank you, Lord. And help me, help me, help me, help me. When you come to him with that humility and you come to him with that open heart and when you come to him with that recognition that yeah your word says i will enter his court with thanksgiving in my heart yeah right you know when we understand that there's this that there's this this response of the creature to the creator uh to the saved to the savior that, that is thanksgiving that results in thanksgiving when we come to see that and we find ourselves falling short of the ability to do it we can humbly ask the one who spoke in the universe left into existence and he will answer that prayer. So what I really hear you saying is that if we want to be able to genuinely be thankful, if we want to be able to genuinely thank God in difficult circumstances, we have to understand his character. Yes. We have to know him. And what's the way that we do that people? Biggest way we can do that wait, is wait, wait, let me ask. you can want to guess. I'm gonna guess um, fortune cookies. Really close. Okay. Oh, okay. What would it be? Through his word. Yes. You know, I uh, when I'm talking to 
the kids in Sunday school or to my nieces when I'm doing Bible lessons with them, you know, I'll always say, okay, and if we want to know more about God and who he is, where should we look? And, you know, and you know, some of them will yell out random stuff, but a couple of them will be like the Bible. Well, <laughs> and I'm that's, like, that's true. You guys. So that's the thing is that, is that, you know, I always like to say Israel is the story of my heart. And I don't mean it's a story of my heart because I love it. I mean, it's a story of my real heart. You know, God sovereignly starts a relationship with Abram, establishes his kingdom through this lineage he starts. Um, the, you know, this, this, these people, even though they're favored and chosen by God, they wander away and God, God warns them and then he wander away, they stay wandered away and God brings them back. And then, and he's so long suffering and he's, and his and his character is so forgiving. He's like, if you read like when you read Isaiah, so many times when Isaiah kind of gives what's called the woe, and he says, This is what's wrong. God's saying through Isaiah, this is what's wrong. And then he gives and then he gives the writ, and he's like, Okay, this is these are the laws you broke. And he gives this whole thing about everything they've done wrong and all the consequences. And then it's always followed up with, but if you just stop what you're doing. Yeah. And turn back. So you've done all this bad stuff. I'm not going to get a switch. I just want you to get back in the covenant and get back into our covenant relationship. And because I've promised to keep both sides of it. And so uh, if you'll do that, we can move forward. It's kind of bringing to mind, this sounds really weird, but it's kind of bringing to mind like a horse being trained mm -hmm. in the way that the person who's training the horse if they're a good horse trainer, they're not trying to hurt the horse. They're not beating the horse. They're not doing anything, but some, anything like that. But sometimes, most of the time, in order to get the horse to where it needs to be or to get the horse to behave the way it needs to behave, the trainer has to create an uncomfortable situation for the horse. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's definitely like what God does with us. Sometimes he has to allow an uncomfortable situation and the level of that uncomfortability is, you know, can be more or less severe, but sometimes he allows an uncomfortable situation so that he can get us to where we need to be. And so that he can make us into the people that we need to be. Right. Right. Well, make us to the people we need to be. I took out and took Israel out and into when he told Jacob, why don't you go down into Goshen mm -hmm. in Egypt, right? When that's, this is the time when Joseph was second in command of, of all of Egypt. And there was the famine. He tells, he tells Jacob, go take your family and all, and er, er, take all your folks, all your people. They're still not, not a huge family. They're not, they're not a big nation at this point. And they're all making you into a great nation. So they come in and they have a lot of favor and they're doing really well, probably for quite a while. And then things change. Uh, we think a new dynasty comes in. It says there was a, a pharaoh who arose who did not know of Joseph. Right. So we think maybe the Hyksos uh, uh, dynasty ended and, the new, and another dynasty returned. Or a new dynasty came in. And the people, the Jews were had too much power. They had too much, the, the Israelites had too much power. They had too much uh, wealth. And remember, I don't think the people had necessarily forgotten what Joseph did to them. Because... Joseph took all their money, all their land, all their possessions, and basically even their freedom as they were coming in and buying more stuff, oh. food from all the, the yeah. stuff that had been stored up during the famine. 
So they put the, the Israelites into captivity. And in that captivity, and even through those hundreds of years of slavery, they became a great nation. Because hard times make for a great people. Well, they we would say God led them into the place where they would be, where this difficulty was going to occur, right? It wasn't just, oh, they happened to be there and then this bad thing happened. God led Jacob and his family into Egypt, mm -hmm. knowing full well that that's what was going to happen a little while after they'd been there. Right, right. He knew full well that was going to happen. Because that was part of his plan and purpose for growing his people. So this and so this is the thing. How can you thank God for your circumstance? I can look at Israel and I can say there were people who were born, lived and died who never who who were born as slaves, lived as slaves, died as slaves and never saw the relief of their situation. And who probably thought, "Lord, why did you know, God, why did you let me be born in this?" Why did you let me live like this? Why didn't you deliver me from this? But a right perspective helps us see this is part of God's plan for making us into who we're supposed to be. And we think only about ourselves. But if you think about, for instance, you know, our our journey as, as believers, there are decisions that were made two, three hundred years ago, accidents that happened, calamities that took place, people who died, people who lived, that impacted the where we were born and impacted uh, uh, you know our lives uh, in mm -hmm. a way that led us into God's will or was part of God's will for us or his outcome for us. And so in that, we can look back and say, thank you, Lord, that these things happened. So it's really a matter of perspective. If we want to be thankful, we have to be able to look outside of the immediate situation. And see that there's a, and which is difficult, but to see that there's a sovereign God who mm -hmm. is able to look outside. Yes. And know that the way you trust, um, the way you can trust a leader, um, I remember my first few mission uh, uh, journeys, I don't, like, I don't like the phrase mission trip. It makes it sound like a vacation. <laughs> My first few mission journeys, you know, no leadership or anything like that in, in the in the missions, and I was just a team member. At that time, I was a pastor of a church. I had a lot of responsibility. I was always in charge. I always had the final say. I was really grateful. To not have to be in charge? <laughs> tell me when to eat. Tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. Yeah. Tell me when to go to bed. Tell me when to get up. It was a nice vacation from being in charge. But it was only I was able to do that because I had complete trust of my leader and knew that they knew this situation infinitely better than I did. And so we have to be able to trust God and understand that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and that he's working all things together for the good of those who love him. And if we want to be able to understand his character, the fact that he is always for our good, we have to be continually digging into his word to learn more and more about him, about his character, about who he is. And I think that that will bring a lot of comfort to those who are dealing with these difficult situations and really aid in the ability to genuinely thank God for your struggles, for your yeah. trials. And to, to wrap this up on a, on a, uh, 
wisdom of the persecuted church or experience of the persecuted church point. And they don't really complain. Hmm. Like they might say something like, well, we can't get any, any in Cuba the last time I was there. We can't get any cooking oil. And so it's, it, or we can't get any laundry soap. You know, they might point out things that are missing, but they don't sit around and be like, they don't, and, and, and whine and complain and lament. It's more of just a statement of fact of, yeah, we can't get any oil or yeah, this bad thing happened, but not necessarily a complaint or, oh, I can't believe this happened. This, oh, this is so terrible that we can't get any of this or we can't get any of that. It's just right. kind of, oh yeah, this, this is what's up. Right. This is, okay. this is our situation, you know, and there's always that continual attitude of gratitude to the Lord. In fact, it's amplified because they see God's providential hand and cause for Thanksgiving in every, every tiny thing. little thing. Because every tiny little thing comes from the hand of God and they see it. We need to choose to see that now. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.